This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. There is no love without suffering. Ariel Dombosley. I was going to resupply in Tahoe City after day five. Um, and it was amazing because I proved to myself that I can do so much but it was also one of the hardest things I've ever done because you've never felt like a well I never had felt more like a failure until I was crying in my tent at 10 p.m looking up on google when should I quit a through hike because I had hiked 18 miles that day had seen smoke from the Dixie fire coming over um, Tahoe from the other side of the trail. Uh, didn't have any clean water because there was a toxic algae bloom in the lake that I was sleeping next to. Um, had heard bears like nearby me or had heard some sounds from some animals at some point and then didn't eat dinner because I didn't have enough water basically to cook dinner. Uh, and it was really hard. I'm Doc and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. 
Well, constant listeners, we have big news to share with you this week. Yes, I am very excited to announce that we have doubled the staff here at the John Freaking Muir Pod by adding on the talents of Angela Hu, who joins the team as an intern. And when I say team, I mean me. Welcome to the podcast, Angela. How's it going? I'm I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. Did I get the last name correct? Yeah, you did actually. It is. It's who, just like that. Who? Okay, yeah. I, I took I took a leap there. So glad I glad I nailed it. Okay. Hey, uh, speaking of names, do you have a do you have a trail name? I I do in a technical sense, but I'm not sure if I count it as my own trail name. I when I went on one of my first backpacking trips in Yosemite with my best friends from high school, they gave me the name Lupin because that's my favorite flower and that's what I want to get tattooed on me later on in life. So I technically have the trail name Lupin, but I feel like flowers are sort of basic. And then I just finished Section J of the PCT two days ago. And my other friend gave me the nickname Lightning because I hike really fast in at least in comparison to our group, I was like going at a pretty steady pace the entire time. And then also I liked a skinny dip. So he combined those two things into calling me lightning. But I'm not sure exactly yet if I want to adopt either of those names, especially like when I do my first through hike in the future. Okay. So I think the first time we talked, uh, when when you were uh, when you approached me about becoming an intern, and we're going to talk about yeah. that in just a second. I think I think you told me that uh, your your trail name was Lupin, and I I always thought you know that it was had to do with some kind of werewolf reference oh, or some kind of wolf far. reference. I think Lupin. I think that's uh kind of I don't know the 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 the, the meaning of the name, but that's I just yeah. assumed that I didn't know it was a flower. Oh no, it's actually a flower that's native to California. It's one of the native okay. wildflowers of California, and I grew up in Monterey Bay, so that's. That was the flower that I always saw growing up whenever I would go hiking. They're like these really beautiful, small flowers that are purple and white. And I don't know, they have like, they hold really large significance to me, just like how the California poppy holds significance to a lot of people. The lupin has held a lot for me. Okay. So yeah, I learned something tonight already. Very good. Thanks. Now I'm interested to hear how lightning is connected to skinny dipping. Yeah, that's a funny one. So my... Friend, I don't actually do this. I don't flash people because I'm very conscious of other people's norms and what they prefer, but I really enjoy skinny dipping. And so the entire time my friends and I were hiking Section J, I was trying to convince the only guy in our group to go skinny dipping with us because he wouldn't. And then finally on the second or third day, he did go with us. And so like lightning in the sense that I flash people, but I don't do that because I'm like cognizant of people's preferences to not see nude people in the wild, even though I think that in like the backpacking community and the outdoor community in general, like nudity is not as big of an issue as it is in like modern America, I would say. Um, But that's how that's how like skinny dipping has to do with lightning, along with the fact that I I just tend to hike very fast and I like keep a fast pace. Otherwise, I collapse at a certain point. Got it. Flash of lightning flash when you don't have any clothes on. (laughs) That makes, exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. I thought, I thought maybe you were just running so fast to get into the water. Oh, yeah. that would have been more sense. That would have been more the family friendly version of, of <laughs> Flash. But no, no, my, my friends are, as he likes, as he likes to call himself a degenerate. And so that was not the reasoning behind it. Got it. Degenerate. Maybe I need to add that to the welcome. Welcome back to another week on the trail. Degenerates, dirtbags, and hiker trash. That would actually, I think, be a great addition. I think a lot of people would appreciate it and connect to it. That's a mouthful. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Now let's let's go back. I I threw it in the intro there, and we we skipped right by it. That you know mm-hmm. you are an intern for yeah. the John Freaking Mirpot. How how did that all happen? What's going on? Yeah. So I have been listening to the John Freaking Mirpod for probably about six months or so now. I found an episode March or February early this year, and I love backpacking. I've been backpacking solidly for about three years now, and. I really fell in love with it and had been looking for new content that had to do with the outdoors. And I found this one and I really liked it. So as a result of that, I also am a big podcast person. I love listening to podcasts. I love working on podcasts. I go to UCLA and I am a part of the Daily Bruin where I help work on the podcast that we have there. Uh, And so I was like, you know what? Like, what are the chances if during the middle of finals week, when I'm incredibly stressed out about school and I have a final in approximately... 12 hours or so, I send an email to the host of the John Frickin' Mirror Pod and see what happens. And you responded, which I was really surprised about. I didn't think that you were going to respond. And then you did. And from that, the ball got rolling. And and now I'm an intern here. And I think that what I learned from that, it, it literally was, I sent the email the day before my final because I was so stressed. And my friend and I or studying in a library. And I was like, you know what? I need to do something for me and something that will make me happy in this moment. And I took a shot and it worked out. So that's sort of how it came about. It was very random. It was very last minute. And it's just sort of a, let's see how this goes because I need something bright in my life besides the upcoming four finals that I had during that period of time. Well, I am happy to be a, a ray of sunshine in your life. <laughs> and just so you know, you know, it's it's a, it was a one man operation over here. So when you send in complaints or intern applications or you know you tag me in posts, I'm the guy that gets that, and I and I uh, I try to be responsive to to the fans out there. Yeah, that makes sense. You responded to me, I think, in less than 24 hours, which was amazing to me because I was like, one, either they're not going to respond at all, or it's going to be a response in like a month and a half or two months or something. And I had no clue at the time either that you were the only person doing everything for the podcast. So that was something new to me when I learned that. And so I'm happy to help. Of it. So, thank you. So what was your <laughs> sense? What was your, what, what kind of idea did you have in your head about, okay, what does this operation look like? How many people work at the John freaking mirror pod before you heard from me? I think in my head, because I work for podcasts outside of this one as well. Um, I thought at least that you would have an editor was one thing I thought for sure. And then definitely you, the host, and maybe like one or two other people that were helping you find people or respond to things. I don't know, dealing with social media. I wasn't sure exactly how big it was, but I just had some expectation in my head, at least that there would be at least four, three to four people working on it, because that's typically how like the smaller podcasts that I know, there's two to three people at least working on it, like two co-hosts or a person who's mostly hosting and then a person who helps edit everything. And that wasn't the case, which is very impressive, I think, for 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 the podcast that I that I didn't notice that. And I don't know how many people do notice that or know that like this very much was a one-man show for the entirety of the, its existence until approximately three months ago or two months ago. <laughs> now the cat's and, out of the bag, so. Yeah. Yeah, and it's exciting. I think it's I think it's something very impressive and should be talked about more. Like it's very <laughs> cool that because I found I don't remember even how I found this podcast. I think I either found it through Instagram or someone like someone on the show or something like that had posted about it. So it, it, the fact that it is so 
popular and it has been just one person the entire time, I think is a very impressive feat for podcasts. Now, some of our listeners, our regular listeners may be saying, oh, now, wait a second. I've heard other people, I've heard reference to other people on this, on this podcast as being part of the producers of the podcast. And, you know, Chopper and Jukebox are kind of uh, irregular uh, host from time to time. Once in a great while, they'll come on and help me out with a, with an episode. And Half Calf, my youngest daughter, you know, mm-hmm. she has helped. She signed on to be, you know, help me with the social media aspect of it. But you know, she's been working on uh, getting her degree and teaching credential. And she is a, a newly minted fourth grade teacher. So she's been underfoot, but not, not a whole lot of, a whole lot of help with the podcast when she's doing all her stuff. So yeah. And I don't know if very many people also know what your actual job is outside of podcasting. Cause I didn't, I didn't know that you had a job outside of doing this. So I'm not sure. Have you talked about that on an episode before? I think I've mentioned a couple of times. I, I worked in education. I was a high school English teacher, then a high school administrator and assistant principal and a principal at a, a particular school up here in Santa Clarita for 20 plus years. And now I work at the district office and uh, actually I just changed roles. So uh, I've got a new oh, job yeah. myself and taking on some new challenges and the learning curve is is steep, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, this is kind of a release for me. It's a, it's a way for me to, mm-hmm. like you said, it's my version of reaching out to somebody and saying, Hey, right before finals, can I, can I work on your, your operation here and and do something fun? So this is, this is my outlet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel the same. It's really, it's been really exciting so far. I, I, I've been editing episodes mainly and then like looking at to some of the other stuff that we've talked about, but it has been really fun. Like I, I love everything about podcasts. I love audio. I love listening to it. I love working on it. There's something just very exciting about, especially I think for hikers, I don't know about you, but like when I'm, when I'm hiking by, on my own and backpacking, doing backpacking trips on my own, podcasts are my main form of entertainment. Like when you're doing 15 to 20 miles in a day and I get so bored out of my mind by like mile six at the bare minimum, podcasts are the main form of entertainment that I use to fill the void of nothingness as we walk through the woods. Um, so it's like so exciting to be able to, have one specifically about the outdoors and then also be able to work on it now. Now you've got a great voice. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it right, right here. And right now you are working on some content for us. And when we get to that content, we get to the, some of those, those proposed episodes, uh, you're going to co-host one or more of those okay. with me. That would be fantastic. That would be very exciting. That is my, my secret, my secret goal of life, the, you know, the dream that every kid has that like, we never really talk about. Like, sometimes it's, I want to be an astronaut. Sometimes I want to be a president from like the age of 10 or 11. Mine was very much, I like want to be a radio host or podcast host. That was my, my far away dream that I never thought could happen. So the fact that it could on, on this, this amazing podcast is really exciting to me. Now, the fact that you as a 10 year old were thinking about podcasting, that makes me feel really old because when I was 10 podcasts were not, were not a thing. They didn't, they weren't going to come into existence for a few decades. So. Yeah. Well, I, I am 21. I'm freshly minted and allowed to drink now. So I had my first beer on the trail actually when I did um, section J of the PCT and I felt like such a mountain woman. I don't know why backpackers have such a big thing with beer and I don't love beer. And so it was kind of exciting to like carry a 12 ounce can for like 30 miles for no reason and then drink it when you're exhausted and then immediately go to bed afterwards. 
that could be your must bring piece of gear right there carrying an extra beer on the trail not mine i don't love beer my friends convinced me to do it but definitely some of my some other people that i've met in the wild they they love their beer and they love their beer after a hard hike like on top of a mountain a beer is the one way that they feel completed which is really funny it tastes better up there it's an acquired taste it is. It is. My friends and I um, went to a brewery for the first time the other day, and that was exciting. I've learned that I like beer that tastes like juice. That's my favorite. Yeah. Man, you turn twenty-one, Angela, and you you're you're bringing you're drinking beer on the trail, and you're going to breweries. It, it's uh, <laughs> life's coming at you fast. Exactly. It is. It definitely is for sure. Okay, so you have listened to the podcast before. Do you have a favorite episode? I. I really like the episode that I actually listened to for the first time. Um, I think their names are, it's a couple. I think one of the name is possibly Sentinel. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember Sentinel. And what I was? I remember his wife's name. Sentry, so, not Sentinel, Sentry. Yeah, Sentry. Sentry yeah. was, was the male. And yeah. I'm drawing a blank on the other one, but they were a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, that's how I think I found the podcast. Now that I'm remembering it, a Isabel, little bit. Isabel, and Century. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, they're both climbers, and I'm actually a really big climber. Um, and I grew up in California, so it was kind of exciting to hear like that sort of mixture. And I remember in the episode as well, Isabel was talking about how she started all of these outdoor things sort of later in life, and that was me. Like I didn't start backpacking until three years ago. I didn't start climbing in, until a year ago more or less like a year and two three months and I've just gotten really into the outdoor community in the last two to three years so I really connected to them I think their story is so sweet like pictures on Yosemite on El Cap as they're getting married like that's the dream that's adorable and so sweet I I think that's great now Angela what what in your mind qualifies as later in life oh gosh I so don't you know. didn't get into it until later in life three years ago when you're 18 yeah, I guess that's true. I think for me, later in life always consists of people who got into the outdoors as adults on their own. I think the learning gap is really big for people in the outdoors. That was like the biggest issue that I faced. It's really, really expensive. It's it's dangerous and it's scary and it's hard to take those first few steps into the outdoors, climbing, like backpacking, skiing, whatever you're doing outside. So Whenever I say later in life, I always kind of imagine it as like the people who didn't have the outdoorsy parents. My parents love hiking and things like that, but like they are very worried for me whenever I go backpacking and on my climbing trips. They get the pictures of me on top, not the actual journey to get to the place that I got to, because I think they'd be a little too terrified of seeing that the in-between portions. Um, so I think that's what it is. It's like that learning gap. For me, there was a huge learning gap when I was trying to get into everything, buying gear. My sister was really great and actually gifted me a lot of my gear. She would find things at Goodwill for like $10 or $5. Um, and she would give those to me because she was like, I have my own backpacking gear. Like, I don't need this. You can take it. And like, I've slowly built up everything that I have over time over the last three years because it's really expensive. And like, I... And that pusher, like I'm the person who says, uh, you're going to take me backpacking with you. You're going to take me climbing with you. Like you're going to lead me on my first trad route. You know, like I, I really had to push to get into where I'm at now. And that took a lot of time and a lot of effort. So I think that's sort of what I mean by later. Although I imagine later also means like 50 or 60 to some people. <laughs> 
All right. Hey, Lightning, you have listened to the podcast. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time explaining the pro tip inside of the week. You obviously know what that is, and there'll be yeah. a, a time for that towards the end of the episode. But let's talk about gear. The mm-hmm. must bring gear review. All right. So thank you, Half Calf. Another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review sponsored by the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Six Moon Designs. And Angela, here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Lightning, what's your must-bring piece of gear? Hiking poles, for sure. Yeah, hiking poles, they, they save my knees. I have pretty bad knees and also ankles as well. And I... Without my hiking poles, I don't think I could do half the things that I do. Like not to the extent where I feel healthy enough to do it, do the exact same thing the next day. So I know there are pros and cons and people have different opinions on hiking poles, but I I love my hiking poles a lot, even if they are like dollars. I find that a lot of of people who are considering getting into hiking, they're not high on the uh, the trekking poles. They, 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 I think they're worried about what they're going to look like out there with, with hiking poles. Which is so funny to me because I, I feel like they're so popular now. I think the majority of people I see hiking or backpacking tend to use them. And as a person who has very bad knees, when you're going downhill and it's like 3,000, 4,000 feet of elevation, like four or five miles or whatever it is, like they, I think they take a lot of the strain out of it. I don't know any of the scientific research. I am not a STEM person. Even if I am a computer science major, I'm not a STEM person. But I bet there's some scientific research as to why checking poles are useful and why they've been made in the world. Okay. Now let's let's uh, talk a little more about gear. You talked about this, all this equipment that you have gathered over the years. What uh, tell us a little bit about your about your kit? What do you, what'd you take out there on the on section J, right? Section J. Yeah, we yeah. my friends and I did section J of the PCT just mm-hmm. two days before we finished. Um, I am a big quilt advocate. I got one because it's the yeah big ultralight thing to get a quilt and it's honestly it is the superior way no offense to anyone who likes mummy bags I do love the hood of the mummy bag but quilts they're so lightweight and if you have a good sleeping pad the big thing is you need a good sleeping pad if you have like one of the z lights the foam ones it's it's not going to work as well if you're like sleeping pretty cold if it's 30 degrees 25 degrees but quilts are just so lightweight mine is from enlightened equipment it was my like Christmas gift to myself during Black Friday when it was 40% off. So I'm a very big advocate for using used gear and then buying gear like that's cheap or on sale. Um, like sleeping bags and quilts are a little bit harder to find for sale or um, or like for resale, but like uh, your bear can, your pots, your can, like pots and things like that. Um, my sleeping pad was from eBay. My backpack was from when I was like 11 or 12 that my mom got me. Uh, yeah, most of my gear has been either gifted, like my sleeping, my tent is a 30 year old LL Bean single ultralight, whatever ultralight meant 30 years ago, um, that my sister found at Goodwill, like two or three years ago. A lot of my gear has been picked up randomly over the years and for like very cheap prices. Cause I'm a college student. Like I, when I splurge, it's like very specific and I've done a lot of research on what I want to do and like what I need and the specific brand. And if I can find it on Facebook marketplace or on eBay, that's like where I tend to look or REI garage sale is another one that I frequent really oftenly. I don't know if you've been here. Have you been to the REI garage sale in Manhattan beach? I have not. No. Okay. So pro tip, I guess a little bit in 
specific cities, there are REI garage sale stores that take all of the like a typical REI garage sale, right? People return things that they didn't like, that they didn't want to use, whatever the reason is. REI has a great return policy. Um, there is a store in Manhattan Beach specifically that collects all of the used gear from all of LA County and has it in this one specific store. So it's like the size of a normal REI store, but all of it is for sale. All of it is like 40 to 70% off, depending on how well the gear was taken care of or like how well used it is. And then one final you said thing. pro tip, you said pro tip, but it's just, this is like a trail name. You can't just declare trail name and, and, right. and say it. You can't just declare pro, pro tip and, and, and say that's it. There's going to be another one. You're still on okay. the hook for that. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. So with your, your ultralight quilt and your LL bean tent and your backpack that you got when you were 11, what, what was your base weight? Do you know for the, for section J? I'm trying to think. We decided to use bear cans, which I regretted because bear cans are so ridiculously heavy. I don't love using them if I don't have to. But I would imagine it was in like the mid 20s, mid to high 20s, I would say. Maybe probably mid to low 20s at this point. I tend to go really ultralight. Like I bring the bear minimum. I don't have like an ultralight pack or anything like that, but I bring the bear minimum of what I need. It's just like for a seven day trip, two pairs of underwear a pair of pants, a pair of shorts, like one shirt, and then a pair of socks. And then for me personally, I like having a clean pair of socks that I can sleep in. So I like having like that one extra pair of socks that I know at the end of the day, if it's really cold, which we got some really cold days, we got like a day that was probably low 30s um, temperature at night. Uh, if I can have a clean pair of socks and put on at night, then I know, I know I'll be happy and I know I'll sleep well. Now, Angela, if you were if you were truly ultralight, it would just be one pair of underpants. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> there are little joys on the trails, you know. True. For some people, that's absolutely true. Box. I want at least one extra clean pair of underwear, just in case. Just in case, you never know. Because there are days, um, on the second to last day that we were there, it was pouring. Like mm, that's a lie. For me in California, it was pouring. For Washington, it was sprinkling. But it was so cold. And it rained for, I think, probably six hours that we were hiking or so. It was a pretty good amount of time. And, like, all the the trail was washed out because there had been so much rain overnight. And sometimes you want a clean, dry pair of underwear. It makes all the difference sometimes. It does. It really does. It's the little things that make the difference on the trail. Mm -hmm. So that's your luxury item. A second pair of underwear. Yeah, exactly. A second pair right. of underwear, <laughs> which some people, I think if they don't, my friends actually, they brought seven pairs of underwear, like a change every single day of the week, which is such a luxury that I haven't felt in years. Well, I can tell you that Big E on the High Sierra Trail, he was proud and proclaiming that, you know, he didn't have any underwear. Oh, God. That was, that was a little TMI. That was yeah. chafing, chafing. Is that Yeah, not that's right. That's right. But you know, I, on the trail, as you know, there is there is no such thing as TMI. We talk about anything and everything. Yeah, my friend was joking with us. He was like, "You guys always talk about poop," and we were like, "There's no other place in the world where we can talk about poop as freely as we do on the trail." Like, how was the consistency this morning? Did you poop twice or did you poop once? How was the whole? How was the view? Was it good? Was it bad? Did you get a view? Did you see an animal also pooping? Those are all things that are so taboo in like normal culture but for backpackers i it's like second nature this first thing i do when i go on a backpacking trip is ask if people pooped that day or not well that was a 30 second clinic 
on poop conversation on on in the backcountry. That was that was pretty epic. Thank you. I'm very I I think I'm still sort of on the backcountry mind right now just cuz I got out of the trail so recently. So poop is freely flowing right now. Yeah, this is trail talk right here. This is this, this is true trail talk. Yeah. We talk about is... poop, about gear and about what we're going to eat next. Exactly. And and if we filtered water or not. That's another common one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. It's the hiking pole. Have you listened to any of the recent episodes with the updated hiking pole? I don't think I have. Oh, this is going to be a real treat. Okay. This is going to be great. I've changed it up. You would think that the hiking pole would be something about hiking. It's not. These are the big issues of the day that Mm -hmm. people, our society are wrestling with. And so these seven questions are going to help me determine how sane you are. I'm going to be able to give you a, a sanity score between zero, which is totally bonkers, and 100, which is totally sane. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you are a hiking enthusiast and you are considering doing the PCT, it's an automatic 20-point deduction. Okay. Well, <laughs> right. I'm considering doing the PCT. So. Okay. All right. There we go. Minus 20. Yeah. Now, th- this is uh, is totally subjective. It's whether or not I agree with your answer. A little bit of explanation after your answer is is always helpful. Helps me you know, kind of look into your mind and see how you're you're processing this and, and thinking about this, and that will help you with my score. Are you ready? I am. I'm ready. Okay. Now we just finished some really good poop talk. So the first question is appropriately: Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? And this is not hiking related. This is just everyday life. So if, if I were to go check out your bathroom, is your pa- toilet paper rolled over? or under so neither because i have a really bad habit of not putting the toilet paper back on the roll after it's like empty my roommate gets really annoyed with me about it i love you kaylee i'm sorry but like i will just leave the toilet paper next to the toilet okay you know i've asked that question i've asked that question probably i don't know seven eight times now Mm-hmm. And I have never gotten that answer. That's that's interesting. That that is my answer. I don't. I'm the bad roommate who leaves the toilet paper next to the toilet and not on the springy roll thing. Okay. Second question: Cats or dogs? Dogs, definitely. I'm allergic to cats. I'm highly allergic to cats. So that is one thing. I do love them, but I think dogs because I have a dog at home and I can't really touch cats. Okay. That that would be problematic, I guess. A little bit. I'm actually living with two cats next year. So that'll be interesting. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Now, what, what happens when you're around cats? I go like almost into anaphylactic shock. It's like my throat will close up. My eyes get really itchy. Um, Like everything just gets really, really itchy and puffy. I like have to take a cold shower. It's definitely the dander. Like the, when I pet cats and I touch my face, everything just swells. Um, so the rule that we've created is Angela's not allowed to touch the cats. Okay. Now, now a scratchy voice and your eyes swollen shut. That makes it tough to podcast. It, it does, but there's this beautiful thing called Claritin. It's my favorite drug. So nice. What great. kind of dog do you have? I have a Maltese. He's actually surprisingly does very well on the trail. His name is Charlie. He's approximately 15 to 20 pounds, depending on how much my dad feeds him that day. Um, So he's like a little white thing, but he comes out on the trail with us pretty often with my sister, her boyfriend and I, whenever we go backpacking together, 
he will come with us and his favorite thing to do is he'll run in the sun and then walk very slowly through the shade if it's really hot outside um so he's figured it out finally that's how he slows slows us down is by running through the hot spots and then walking through the cold ones smart dog that's that's my policy on the trail too oh really <laughs> it's really cute it's one of my favorite things to watch him do i think it's really silly and he we never take him on anything super big like the most we've ever done with him i think is maybe 10 miles split over two days or so so just five miles a day five mm-hmm. to seven miles a day but he he likes it and he always sleeps in between my sister and her boyfriend in their tent which is really cute too okay question number three netflix or youtube netflix well neither but netflix over youtube <laughs> okay explain that i i don't know what it was but i stopped watching tv approximately two years ago and i just haven't gone back into it for some reason i, I deleted the youtube app i think maybe a year and a half ago and haven't really found a reason to re-download it and then i think i get bored is the big thing i get bored very very easily and so watching a full netflix tv show takes a lot of energy for me and i can't i can't do it anymore so what i'm hearing you say lightning is that you you gave up tv later in life yes i did yes. i did okay. later in life at the ripe ripe young age of 20 <laughs> gave up tv all right this this next question particularly important in your score uh question four what is your most useful skill in the case of a zombie apocalypse um I yell really loudly. <laughs> so if I if some if I yell really loudly, they know I need help. That's that's about it. Or, you know, if I yell really loudly, these the zombies will eat me. I think I'm the first to die in a zombie apocalypse, is what I'm trying to say. I don't think I would survive very long. Not a whole lot of useful skills. I, I was gonna say being loud, I mean that would that would attract them to you, I would think. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe if it's ear piercing enough, they'll run away. It'll explode their ears. Make their heads explode. Yeah, like in Plants vs. Zombies, that's that's the goal, I think. That's the only form of zombies I understand is Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah, I gave up Plants vs. Zombies later in life. When you were... <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I gave up later in life, too, when I was eight. You're going to have two choices of the next question. Okay. So I, I have two versions of this question. And you, you tell me if the first one applies to you or if maybe the second one is a better application to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first question, first version of the question is mm-hmm. Star Wars or Star Trek? The second version of the question mm-hmm. is Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Okay. Which, which one do you have more vested interest in? Definitely the second question. Okay, so let's go with that. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Definitely Harry Potter. That, that like was my entire childhood. I have very specific moments of days where I would not go hang out with my friends and instead read the fifth book of Harry Potter in my bedroom. So I was a big Potter Potter fan. And then I went to Universal Studios when I was, I think, 17 or 18 and got to drink butterbeer and go on Hagrid's ride. And it was one of the best days of my life. It was it was so much fun. And the movies, the movies portrayed the book so well. So definitely Harry Potter. Okay. That's gonna be a follow-up question. Did the did the movies do the books justice? I think so. I think of all of the book to movie adaptations, they did Harry Potter very, very well in comparison to other book to, to movie ad- adaptations. Mm-hmm. I do yeah. like Lord of the Rings, though. I watch them 
my roommates were really upset with me because I hadn't watched them yet. So they forced me to watch all three of them. And they were great. They were really good movies. And did you read the books, Lord of the Rings? Mm, I tried to read The Hobbit and then I got bored. <laughs> so no, the answer is no. I heard it's a lot of walking. They just walk a lot. Yeah, it's right up your alley. I mean, that's that's what you like to do. That is true. We I do walk a lot very often. So maybe I would enjoy reading it. I'll try it. I'll add it to my never-ending list of books that I need to read. Okay. Now, follow-up question. This doesn't count in the survey, but uh, just fun facts. Uh, Harry, Ron, or Hermione? Definitely Hermione. You got to stick with the girls. And she was such a boss the entire oh, yeah. time. She, she was a boss. Yep. What was going on? She was like, you're being dumb. Don't do that. That's what I say to my friends all the time. So I'm like, you're being dumb. Don't do that. And I try to mimic my Hermione like energy into the world. Okay. Question number six. We're almost there. Question number six. Best fry shape. Skinny, thick, or waffle? I'm a waffle person. Yeah. I think skinny, there's just not enough potato for me. It's too crispy. Thick, there's too much potato for me, and I don't like the mushy. And so waffle has that perfect consistency of crispy exterior and some mushy interior, or just nice potato texture interior. Yeah, waffle is just about the same size as thick, right? But you have you have the holes in it, so it's, it's not too much potato. Yeah, it's not too much potato, which I feel like thick fries can just, they overdo the potato sometimes. And I don't want too much. We eat, I eat so many mashed potatoes on the trail. I need a very fine line of potato in my life. Okay. Question number seven. Are introverts too quiet or are extroverts too loud? Oh, there, I have a whole philosophy behind this question, actually. That I don't think this is what the podcast to get into it for, but... I think neither. Neither is like the answer. Oh, there, I think there's, there's that answer. This is there's a nice symmetry to that answer, right? That was the that was the answer to your first question and your last question. Explain. Yeah. yeah, because it's my friends and I talk about this a lot. Like I think in our modern world, this is some Angela philosophy right here. But in our modern world, like extroverts are really looked upon as like superior. Like people want to be extroverted. People want to talk a lot and be the life of the party and all that sort of stuff. But there's a really strong power in being an introverted person and being the person that listens and is capable of being being there as a presence beyond being the presence who always is talking. So I think it's it's neither in my head. I both hold really important roles in society and in conversations and like social interactions where introvert versus extrovert is used as a word. So I would say neither. Both are both are perfect in their own wonderful way. Okay. Now, I know you're not STEM, but I've got a certain formula I have to go through to adjust the totals here. So let me, okay. let me do some quick math for us. So mm -hmm. I got so to carry the two. We're going to divide by pi, multiply by the root of five. And we're going to adjust for the atmospheric pressure at the top of Mount Whitney. That'd be 14,505 feet. And I've come out with a score of 64. Okay. 64. What do you think of that score? That feels... Very neutral to me, <laughs> like not too low, not too high, just like right there in the middle, but a little bit above the middle. If I had asked your sister, what score would you give Angela on a scale from one to a hundred on how sane she is? Where, where would she have landed? Probably very low. I'm I'm slightly insane. I don't tend to slow down mm. and people 
I'm crazy for it. So okay, I think the scores are coming out too high. I'm gonna have to adjust my my formula, maybe to uh, to knock that down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We'd love to hear about your background, where you grew up. Sounds like you have one sister. Do you have more than one sister? Just one sister. Just one sister. And what kinds of sports and hobbies you played growing up? And how did you get involved in this whole outdoor adventure cult later in life? Yes, yes, later in life aspect. That might be, you know what? I'm always I'm always on the hunt during the episode for a great episode title. This has come up a number of times now. And it, really <laughs> just, it strikes my funny bone. I, this might be later in life with lightning. Okay. Yeah. Okay, later in life with lightning or with Lupin, they both work. I do prefer the name Lupin. I will say that lightning is oh, okay. most recently. You know what? Um, We're going to have to stop recording. We have to go back to the top and re-record all this. So that <laughs> it goes. it's just Lupin instead of lightning. I've, I've created a, a monster here. Okay. I know you have. I, I, it's the whole trail name philosophy. I don't know. It's a whole thing. But um, I grew up in Monterey Bay, California. So I grew up by the ocean right next to Big Sur. If people have heard about that at all, it's um, a really, really beautiful place with amazing, absolutely amazing hiking. It's my favorite place in the world for sure. Like I have a necklace of California with a heart over the Monterey Bay, Big Sur area because it means so much to me. Um, and I didn't like hiking when I was growing up. I was that rebel child who was like, if my mom tells me I have to like hiking, I'm not going to like hiking because my mom was a part of uh, a Saturday Chinese hiking group, actually, in Monterey Bay, because Monterey Bay is not a super diverse place. Um, it's mostly white. And so my mom found a Chinese community through her hiking group and she would invite me to come and we would go hiking in Point Lobos, which is a really popular hiking spot or in Big Sur or Garapada, which is also in Big Sur, um, Carmel Valley. These are all like local Monterey spots, Toro Park. Uh, we would go to all the, or Santa Cruz, we would go hiking in these places. And at a certain age, I just was like, I don't want to listen to you anymore. So I'm not going to go hiking. And so I stopped and I, I thought in my head, like, oh, I didn't like hiking as a result of that. And then I went to a summer camp when I was 12. And that was the first ever backpacking trip I ever did. And I, I really liked it. And it was super fun. But it was one of those things where if you don't have parents or, or older family members who or friends who can bring you out backpacking at such a young age, you never really go again because it's pretty, my mom is still worried about me as a 21 year old going backpacking in the woods alone. Like nonetheless, if I was 11 or 12. So I didn't go backpacking again until I was 19 or so, I think 19 or 20, it was the COVID year. And what else could we do besides go outside? You know, everything was closed. The only things we could do was go out in nature. And so my sister said, my sister who had gotten to backpacking more recently and she really liked it. She had a lot of gear. She and I, the only thing I had at the time was like my backpack that I had gotten when I was 11. Um, she was like, oh, let's go do this backpacking trip in Big Sur and my roommates can come down. And this was like the thick of COVID. This was like September of, or maybe July of 2022, something like that. So we were still pretty thick in the quarantine of everything. Um, and we called it the Cone Peak Loop of Death. It's beautiful if anyone ever wants to do it. It's an amazing trail in Big Sur. And you get to see like the most amazing ocean views that Big Sur has to offer. But it's also like 6,000 feet of elevation gain in a very, very short period of time. Um, you go up and down multiple, like, multiple passes. And then 
The other really big thing is where I'm from, there is so much poison oak and poison oak. If you get it on your body, you never want to get it on your body ever again. It is terrible. It is itchy. It feels awful. And so I can confirm that. Yeah. The trail was just covered. It was covered in poison oak the entire time. I think the entire like 13 miles that we did over two days, 13, 14 miles we did in two days was completely covered in poison oak. And so we called it the Cone Peak Loop of Death. But for some reason, the suffering was fun and I decided to continue on. And from there, the ball just sort of got rolling of, I really liked it and I wanted to do more. So I went on a backpacking trip with my friends in Yosemite a little bit later. And that was really cool because, you know, we're reaching that age of adulthood where we where we were the ones organizing the backpacking trip. It wasn't other adults like deciding, oh, this is the food you need to bring. This is where we're going to camp. This is what we're going to do. It was just three and it was just me and two of my high school best friends being like, we're going to go to Yosemite and we're going to drive to Yosemite ourselves. And then we're going to go to Young Lakes, which is in Twelve Me Meadows. And it's it's an amazing backpacking place as well. Um, and so that was really exciting. And from there, I just got into it. I was like, yeah, I like this. I'm going to keep on doing it and doing it and doing it. And, and now here I am, like having attempted a through hike and having done section J, which was really exciting for me because I'm, I'm planning to do the PCT next year. Like I'm applying for permits in November and I'm graduating college early to, to attempt doing it. Um, But that, that's sort of how I got into the outdoor cult. It happened miraculously. And, and honestly, I think my sister played a really large influence in it. Okay. Very good. Now, Hey, before we go to break here uh, real quickly, you mentioned that you're in school, you're at UCLA is uh, you'll be starting your senior year next year? Yeah, I'll be starting my senior year. It's my final final year of college. And did you tell us what you were majoring in? Yeah, I, I briefly mentioned it. I'm a computer science major, so right. I'm I'm in STEM. I don't love it, but I'm in it and I do it. What are you going to do with your computer programming background, your degree? Yeah, uh, that's, that's, the, that's what I mull on whenever I'm backpacking. <laughs> it's the biggest question of my life currently what am I what am I going to do after graduation and it's it's a little bit stressful but I'm I'm excited to figure it out a little bit and hopefully the PCT will help clarify some things in that realm of my okay life. I want you to take that stress I want you to put it in a box a little box close the lid and we're going to put that box to the side for right now we won't revisit that topic the rest of the interview <laughs> cool sounds good <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, some of Lupin's other hobbies, and we're going to hear about that Section J hike of the PCT. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long.
Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Lupin, a.k.a. Angela Who, the intern for the John Freaking Mirpod about uh, her trips and travels. And so... You know, just looking over our discussion points, I just want to point out that there are a lot of very cool activities listed here. I mean, I, I see surfing, I see bouldering, I see road climbing, I see backcountry skiing. What What's going on? You, you, you cover it all. Yeah, I love adventure. And I, again, I get bored really easily. So I... The moment someone says, let's go do something fun outside, I'm, I am I say, bet, when are we going to do it, even if I've never done it before? So I started surfing because my best friend from high school surfs, and I lived with her in Santa Barbara. So um, I learned how to surf about three years ago, and I like surf pretty consistently in LA. I try to go at least two or three times a week um, at beginner beaches where people are nice to me. Uh, backcountry skiing, one of my roommates, um, from UCLA, her family was doing a backcountry ski trip from in Yosemite from Badger Point to, or the Badger Ski Area to Glacier Point. It's a 21 mile round trip backcountry ski. And I had never backcountry skied before, but we did that and it was so much fun and beautiful. If you're a skier, highly suggest that. That's like a once in a lifetime opportunity and you will see Yosemite in a way that like so few people get to see it because you can only reach Glacier Point during the winter through backcountry skiing or snowshoeing. There's no other way to get there. Um, and then rock climbing. Yeah, rock climbing is my new thing. After I, uh, hopefully after I complete the PCT next year, um, my big thing is rock climbing right now. I like usually try to go climbing at least out climbing outside once a week usually on the weekends I'll do like trips to Bishop or Joshua Tree or um, Red Rock in Vegas uh, and I'm a really really big boulderer because people at UCLA really love bouldering but I love ropes more I really want to get into trad which is a specific type of climbing and I've been able to convince some of my friends to take me out on some trips with them so yeah rock climbing is like my big is my new love outside of um, hiking and backpacking Okay. And with trad climbing is uh, a portal edge on the side of El Capitan. Is that in your future? 
Yes, that is that is the goal. That is that is the that is my big climbing goal. Yeah. Is that nice. after I reach that, we'll find a new goal, just like with the PCT. After the PCT, we'll find something new. But right now, that's that's the goal for me. Incredible. Have you watched the rock climbing documentaries that are out there that are just so fascinating and terrifying and entertaining? Yeah, um, I've there's watched- Valley Valley Uprising, there's Free Solo, there's um the Dawn Wall. Yeah. Uh, and wide boys if you're if you ever seen wide boys i haven't seen wide boys before i've never yeah. actually heard of that yeah w-i-d-e wide as in you know opposite of thin wide mm-hmm. and boys i think has a z on the end of it instead of an s and it's about these these guys who climb the um off width cracks it's not your traditional you know thin crack you're jamming your fingers in these these are wide cracks where they got a jam a an arm into or a leg, a thigh, shoulder, something to, to get purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that before, but I will. I actually really like off with climbing. So I would, that sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, check it out. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. I have to like write that down or I'll, I'll ask you for it again at the end yes. of the episode. Yep. Now tell us about your Tahoe Rim Trail experience, because I understand that was a, a pretty important and impactful trip for you. Yeah. So last summer I decided to live in my Subaru Outback named Rosie, basically. And go go go, go Subi Life. Go Subi Life. It's it's the superior car. I'm just gonna say it. Subaru Outback's better than the Crosstrek and the Forester. The length is great for I people agree. to do you see. have do you have the badge of ownership? Have you discovered that? No, I but what is that? So Subaru badge of ownership. Look it up. It's going to ask okay. you for your to provide your vehicle ID number, your VIN, and okay. once you do that, and the you know the purchase date and your VIN, uh, you can pick. Um, it's it's a series of icons that go on the back of your Outback that uh, show what you use your Outback for. It starts off with which which Subaru is this for you? And so on mine, I've got uh, uh-huh. I've got first you know, one ST, there's a, a little circular button. And then off of that yeah. circular button is a series of badges that show what I have used my Outback for. So I've got, I've got the, you know, a 26.2 on there. I've got uh-huh. a campsite, a little, you know, a badge for camping, a badge for hiking um, and a badge. I'm drawing a blank right now because I'm on the spot, but a badge for something else, but it's really cool. And it's all completely free. So badge of ownership by Subaru. It's just, you know, how many Subarus is this for you? And what kinds of things do you do in your Subaru? Very cool. I think I've seen that on people's cars before. And I've always wondered what that is. So thank you. That is so helpful, actually. Because Check I've always wondered, Yeah, I've always wondered what that was. That's good to mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah, so I love Subarus. They're they're great cars. And Rosie has done me well. I, I got her last year specifically for my travels. And we have gone over 30,000 miles in the last more than that, maybe 40,000 miles in the last year now. Um, but I basically decided to do solo backpacking, which was like one of the most amazing and one of the scariest things I've ever done. Like being in the woods alone, I think as a woman as well, is really scary sometimes. Like you, the people obviously are very nice in the backcountry, but like you never know exactly what's going to happen. I also acknowledge that black bears are very nice and they will not harm you but it's still scary when you hear them shuffling outside of your tent actually my bear can which my computer is resting on right now has scratches from a bear that it was named wiley from the trinity alps area in california uh so bears are like were always a little bit scary to me um 
but I really wanted to do it because I wanted to prove to myself that I could backpack alone. I didn't want to have to rely on a person, another person to go on a trip with me. Like I just wanted to be able to go off on my own for as long as I wanted, whenever I wanted. So Tahoe was kind of my big culmination of the summer of backpacking alone. It was like the Tahoe Rim Trail is a through hike. If people haven't heard of it before, it goes around the entire rim of Lake Tahoe, California. It is amazing and it's beautiful. It's approximately 170 miles and I was planning to do it in nine days or so. So I was like averaging, hoping 15 to 20 miles a day and was going to resupply in Tahoe City after day five. Um, And it was amazing because I proved to myself that I can do so much, but it was also one of the hardest things I've ever done because you've never felt like a, well, I never had felt more like a failure until I was crying in my tent at 10 p.m., looking up on Google, when should I quit a through hike? Because I had hiked 18 miles that day, had seen smoke from the Dixie fire coming over um, Tahoe from the other side of the trail, uh, didn't have any clean water because there was a toxic algae bloom in the lake that I was sleeping next to, um, had heard bears like nearby me or had heard some sounds from some animals at some point, and then didn't eat dinner because I didn't have enough water basically to cook dinner. Uh, and it was really hard. I but cried. other than that, other than that, the hike was going great. The hike was going great in every other way. It was beautiful. It was amazing. The views were great. It is It is an amazing trail. It's also a, a great first trail, I would say, like first through hike for people because it's a little bit shorter. 170 miles isn't insane. It's also a loop, so it's super easy. I parked my car in Nevada, I think. And if you're solo through hiking, it's so easy to get back to your car because it is a loop in that way. Um, but yeah, that that was the second day of the through hike. And I had hiked the most miles I had ever done in my entire life, like 18 miles. And uh, I I was exhausted and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to do. I was actively, because Tahoe is at such high elevation and because the city is so well populated, I had service basically the entire trail. That's another reason why it's great for people's first through hikes. You have service for almost the entire 170 miles, which is like unheard of for through hikes basically. Um, but I was actively looking up and reading blogs about when a person should quit a through hike because it I was exhausted. I was lonely, you know, like when you're hiking 13, 14 hours on your own, you get really lonely. You miss talking to your friends and your family and the people that you love, and they're not going to call you for the entire 10 hours that you're hiking on your own. Um, so the next day, actually, I decided to hike out and I did, I I hitchhiked for the first time and a really, really sweet couple in Tahoe, they picked me up and dropped me off at my car. I hiked in air quality that was like, I think 180. The Dixie fire started picking up really bad. So it wasn't even for me, like it was a personal decision, but it also wasn't because the air quality was so bad. I was like, I can't breathe through the next seven days like this that's not healthy for me and it was a really good decision for me to hike out in the end because Tahoe basically went on lockdown after that like the Dixie fire picked up so quickly that people had to evacuate Tahoe and the AQI thing got to around 400 at a certain point um so it was good that I hiked out but you know I had been planning that trip for two months at that point like that was that was going to be the big thing that I did that summer. And so having to make that decision to bail out was a really hard one, but it taught me a lot about myself, which was I'm I'm capable of anything, which is amazing. And I'm capable of doing it on my own, which is something that's really important to me, that independence factor of it. But I also 
know myself and know my limits and know when I need to call it quits for my own health and for my own safety, which is something that I'm not very good at. I like to push and I like to go hard and I, I want to go as far and as quickly as I can. But there are certain points in my life sometimes where I need to slow down and remember that my physical health and my mental health is also really important in that equation and in the search of adventure. So Tahoe was- so many takeaways from that one trip. I mean, you just rattled off there, you know, six, seven things that made such a difference and you learned from. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, Tahoe, I think that there's something about failure. Failure teaches you a lot about yourself. And even though I don't think I necessarily failed Tahoe, like bailing out doesn't need to be considered a failure, I don't think, in through hiking, even though it often is considered that. Um it it taught me a lot about myself in that way. And I've done a lot of reflecting on it because it was like a really sad moment for me when I decided to to leave the trail. Yeah, failure, you need failure in your life. Otherwise you don't learn. I mean, if everything was roses all the time and you didn't face any adversity ever and everything you did was perfect the first time, um, there wouldn't be any takeaways from that. I mean, wisdom, wisdom comes from mistakes. So you wouldn't be a very wise person. Exactly. And I got to fail really, really hard in Tahoe. I got all the failures in one day. All the backpacking. Congratulations. Thank you. It was it was like literally all the backpacking failures that I could have in one day. Because one of my other rules when I hike alone, when I'm backpacking alone is I always sleep before the sun goes down because otherwise I don't, I can't sleep at night if I sleep after the sun goes down. Um, And the sun was setting as I was trying to cook dinner, which is why I just didn't end up eating dinner because I was like, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep if I don't go to bed right now. I have a theory that hiking and backpacking through hiking, especially is for people with compulsive personalities. Do you think, do you think that uh, applies? Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could definitely see that applying to me and to very many of the other people that I know who enjoy through hiking. Yeah. My wife has called me a serial hobbyist before you know you kind of you kind of get fascinated with something you go down that rabbit hole and you explore to it's you know as much as you can and then you, you get drawn to something else and something else and something else yeah that is really hitting on my personality right now because <laughs> that's like basically what my outdoor adventurous life has been it's it's gone from backpacking to climbing and I've been going down the rabbit holes as deeply as I can until I reach the goals that I've set out for myself basically well, it sounds like you're a good fit for the John Freaky Mirpod because everybody who works here is like that. So, <laughs> yes, everyone who works here is like that. <laughs> All right, hey, tell us how this how this uh, contrasts with your re- most recent trip of Section J of the PCT. First of all, define Section J for us. Where is that? How long is it? Yeah, Section J is in Washington State. It's I think the third to last section of the PCT, and it's. From the Washington Trail Association, it's like the most undisturbed trail on the PCT or something like that, because there, um, there's really no way to access a Section J except for the endpoints. Like the the hikes out are pretty intense; they're all like six ish miles, I think, or like they're. It's basically a section of the trail that's pretty isolated. Um, but it goes from Snoqualmie valley to stevens pass so snoqualmie pass to stevens pass in washington um if people know washington well it's i think highway 90 and it it goes to leavenworth basically so you 
you're looping around um, two sections of the highway. You're going between two sections of the highway. And it is a beautiful, it's a, it's a beautiful part of the, or part of the PCT. It, you get like views of Mount Rainier for about half of the trail, which is amazing. And then for the other entirety of it, you get these like amazing alpine lakes that are so fun to swim in, skinny dip if you prefer, which is always my preference. Um, and it's a great one, but it's really hard. We like, I think it's around 16,000 feet of elevation gain throughout the entire trail. It's again, 70 miles, which is like a pretty good amount. Um, and yeah, that's like the basics of what section J is, I think. Got it. Now I was in Seattle and Vancouver a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. while we were in Seattle, we went to Snoqualmie Falls. How close yeah. was I to section J? I think you're really close. Driving wise, I think you're really close. I'm not sure exactly how close it is, but I would mm-hmm. say people in Washington will get angry at me. So I won't say the exact distance, but I think the answer is close. Okay. So for all my older listeners out there who are, are of an age like me, if you watch Twin Peaks growing up, the TV series with uh, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, Twin uh, Snoqualmie Falls is in the opening scenes of every episode of Twin Peaks. So the opening credits it is the the waterfalls coming down and you have the the lodge right above the waterfall that's snoqualmie lodge i think it's snoqualmie lodge don't don't uh, quote me on that but it's definitely snoqualmie falls and i just got this eerie feeling of of like being in the tv show when i was there just uh, it's kind of haunting actually well i've heard of twin peaks so i feel like that should get me brownie points to a certain extent even if i'm not at your age all right so you're 65 now not 64 there you go an extra point there we go. <laughs> All right. And Mount Rainier is spectacular. I mean, from Seattle, it just kind of looms in the background. I know that in Southern California or just north of Southern California with mm-hmm. Mount Whitney, Mount Whitney is the, the tallest, the tallest mountain um, in the lower 48 at 14,505. Yeah. Mount uh, Rainier is not as high as that, but Mount Rainier has the more typical mountain shape to it. Uh, yeah. Mount Whitney, you're looking at, you're like, okay, this, that's, that's a mountain. It does, it's just kind of a hump, right? It doesn't, uh, it's, it's really not, hard to find when you're it driving. Is. It's hard to find. You have to like, you have to either know it or you like look at a picture to be like, oh, that's Whitney in the range. Cause it's actually because of how far the highway is from Whitney, it's mm-hmm. smaller than the peaks around it. Um, yeah. I was actually in Rainier today. I was, I was at Rainier national park, um, looking at it and that, that mountain is a beast like that. It it is beautiful and it's magnificent, but it's it's ginormous. It's huge. Yeah, you don't have to look too hard for Rainier. It's like well, right there. It jumps out at you. No you missing. Really, you see it when you're in Seattle. You see it immediately. Yeah. What were the highlights from Section J? Um, just uh, everything about it was so fun. It was like I definitely loved hiking it with friends. I was with five other people four other people while I was doing it and that was really enjoyable there's something just great about getting to camp together at the end of the night like talking about how the day went cooking dinner eating everyone's food everyone tries everyone's food um which was really really fun so I think that having unlike my Tahoe through hike having other people with me made it really really enjoyable I think also it made it really hard but the diversity and what we were doing, we were going over a lot of different passes every single day, at least one pass a day, maybe even two sometimes, but the weather was just so different for us. So like the first day it was 95 degrees outside, ridiculously hot. One of our people actually got 
heat stroke kind of during the middle and he had to hike out and then he um he hiked back it back in a few days later and then the very last day was um was like 50 degrees outside and it was like super rainy and wet and cold but it kind of was exciting in that way because we got that diversity of like the typical typical pacific northwest wet rainy weather as well as like the really really hot which is less common um but it's just beautiful it's a beautiful section of the pct and you are hiking next to these amazing alpine lakes and one of the things that i loved about being able to do it as a section hike is we could swim in all those lakes you know like when you're doing a through hike you're you're packing in those miles a person who a friend who joined us at the end of section j who's actively doing the pct right now but just taking a quick break in seattle he finished section j in two days so he did 35 and 35 miles and my friends and i decided to do it in seven days and we did 10 miles a day so it really gave us the opportunity to enjoy the nature that we were in and to really look at it and appreciate it. Sadly, the um, there's a lot of natural berries in Washington state. So there's a lot of like blackberries and blueberries and strawberries that are growing along the trail. Sadly, none of those were growing yet. They weren't in full, full bloom, but to see those on the side of the trail was really exciting. And then the other thing, we're going back to the poop talk, the real trail talk. So in section J, there are three toilets. <laughs> um like like sitable toilets on the section at different lakes the lakes are mig lake um mig lake Wattpus lake and then also glacier lake and that was definitely a highlight as well being able to sit down was exciting <laughs> it was a little change of scenery great views from the from the throne um not terrible views you got views of the lake sometimes but it just kind of felt i've never actually sat on a toilet like a outdoor toilet like that before so it felt kind of exciting to try that for the first time now was the toilet just on a platform with no walls or were there any walls involved there were no walls at any of the three they were just like little like wooden cubes and they had a little wooden plank on top and then you just lift the plank up and then i rated them Wattpus was the worst um glacier was second and then mig was the first now what are the criteria that goes into the rating how well it smells if it's smelly then it goes down to the bottom because i mean it's like that's gross i don't want to smell other people's poop even if i like talking about it um how well the door hinges is another thing mm -hmm. so glacier lake it was just like tied on by a wire but at mig lake there was actually a like a metal rod so you could lift it and it would like kind of stay lifted when you sat down um those were like the criteria and then the general atmosphere of how it felt glacier lake i think i like gave it a lower rating because i was freezing it was i was so cold because that was the day that it rained but sorry a lot of poop talk. It's, I, I'm just used to it at this point. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So when did, I have on here, what's next for Angela? And mm -hmm. it says PCT 2023. Yes. Is that, is, are we speaking that into existence right here on the podcast tonight? We, we are, we are there. It is, it is going to happen. Um, it's going to happen. Nice. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, I actually am graduating college early, which I mentioned before. So I'm graduating quarter early from UCLA to attempt to do the PCT. I'm going to apply for permits uh, in November, <clears throat> excuse me. And Section J really just made me realize how much I want to do it. Like that is one of my life goals. And it's a goal that I've been thinking about for two years now. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to balance right now though, because there's an internal debate going on in my head, which is 
this is my final year in college and I lost a lot of college to COVID. So I'm, I'm almost tempted to a certain extent to stay for my final quarter, even though I'm not taking classes and possibly southbound hike it instead of northbound hike it. Um, Cause there were a lot of people who were starting the trail in July. They were like, they were at section J um, when we were doing section J who were southbound hikers. So going from, Canada to Mexico versus the typical Mexico to Canada. Um, so that like is a consideration in my mind, but there's a lot of things that go into those sort of decisions in the end. Okay. And here's a question for you. I told you I wasn't going to ask you any questions you didn't know the answers to, but I, yeah. I, may, have, I may have lied. So okay. um, what does it take to be a through hiker? everyone can be a through hiker it just takes the will to do it that's it like if you want to do it you can do it every every single person is capable of doing a through hike and i would even dare to say everyone is capable of doing it by getting off the couch right now and just doing it you just would have to start a lot slower so in comparison to people who are training who might start their days off with like 15 to 20 miles or 10 to 20 miles a day you could do it two to three miles a day or four miles a day, you know, like incrementally. And if you have support, that's doable for you. Um, but it just, I think it really does take the will. Everyone's physically capable of it. And also you probably have to like pooping and sleeping in the outdoors. I know that's a big reason why people don't like backpacking. So probably not minding those would be helpful as well. And maybe to help some folks out there who are considering who have never done this before. I mean, how, how worried were you about uh, the whole pooping in the outdoors issue prior to actually doing it? Well, I've talked about poop so much on this episode. My goodness. Um, I never mind it. I actually prefer, I prefer pooping in the wild. Yes. But before, before you ever did it, did you yeah. worry about it? Did you say this is going to be an obstacle for me? This is going to be a problem. Or you're, you're like, yeah, this is, this is just how it goes. Yeah, I just in my head I was like, this is just how it goes. Like, I don't, okay, all right. I, don't, I, I never minded it even before I started backpacking. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Lupin, you know where we are? No. Where no. Are we? Pro tip. The pro tip inside. That's right. It's time for the pro tip inside of the week. That time of the episode where you get to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So, Lupin, what do you have for us? Uh, I would say the biggest thing is just go out there and do it for people in the outdoors who love the outdoors. Oftentimes they love bringing other people into the outdoor cult. And so if you're nervous or afraid, like I was when I first started backpacking, ask your friends for advice, ask your friends to bring you on the trips that you've gone on or that they're going on. And, you know, it just takes a little bit of willpower and some force sometimes and a little bit of luck, even if you can find those really great mentors, but it'll happen like slowly, but surely. And then the other big thing, just as a person, like, I think we all love the outdoors and really care about it. And like the production of things is a really big issue nowadays and climate change and things like that. Find used gears. There are so many places that sell used gear and there are a lot of great and it's a lot cheaper. It's better for your wallet. Like if you're a college student like me who has a part-time job and makes like not that much money it's really great to find those sort of resources so those are the two things pro tips that i would have well said so there you have it that's it this episode is just about in the books hope our listeners enjoyed our time with lupin want to thank her for joining us this week 
Lupin, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? They can't. They Sadly, can't. I don't have an Instagram, um, but I'll be working on the podcast so you can hear me on this, on the John freaking Muir pod. Very good. All right. Remember to check out the pod on social media. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or questions, uh, comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakymuir at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Lupin, I'm also looking at you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, something that's going to keep help keep our listeners connected to outdoor adventure. We call this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us? I, I don't have any at the current moment. <laughs> no? you get No book or movie you've seen that really is inspirational about the outdoors not not in particular that i feel like other people don't really know already know about or heard like obviously free solo is an amazing climbing film that i i love because i love climbing um yeah I, there there is one but i'm forgetting the name of it i can't grasp the name right now so i'm, I'm having difficulty pulling it out of my mouth oh maybe we can we can help here what, what's it about well, there is this really amazing woman who I'm hoping to have on the podcast soon, who is doing the PCT currently, and she runs this really amazing organization to bring um, like black backpackers out in Colorado. Uh, so she's a really, really cool person. And she is the PCT correspondent for the Trek this year, okay. I think, or Backcountry, Backcountry something. I forgot the exact magazine, but... Mm -hmm. um, She's the PCT correspondent. So I've read through some of her posts and I've really loved all the things that she's written so far. Okay. Well, we'll stay tuned for that. Maybe, maybe we'll, uh, we'll have a future episode with her on it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. What have we not asked you? That, again, that's half calf. She was born in Southern California. She was raised in Southern California. She likes to think that she's from somewhere else. And, uh, she, she, she tries different accents. I'm not sure she nailed that one exactly, but, uh, before we wrap things up, just one more segment for you called What Have I Not Asked You That You're Dying to Tell Us About? Oh, I think we've covered everything. I have one funny tidbit, which is I love collecting stickers for my car. So I was really excited to go to Rainier today. I want to collect stickers from every national park I visit in my car. So I got really excited when I went to Rainier today because I got to put a new sticker on my car. Nice. You know what else you can put on your car? The The id the subaru id thing that and also a john freaking your pod sticker oh i i didn't know that actually that's great to know and, and where can we find those just on the website uh it, it's on instagram so evidently you can't because you don't have an instagram there we go but i can use my friends i can use yeah, my friends and, you know as as an employee an unpaid employee of the john freaking your pod you should know that we have stickers so there you go yeah, so it's good to know. It's good to know. Okay. Well, that's a wrap from the John Freakamere studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Lupin? Yeah, I would love to thank my mom and dad for like encouraging me if like not safely. They got me my Garmin, which is great. Um, so my mom, dad, and my sister and my two best friends from high school, like uh, AG and Emilia, they were the two people that I went on the Yosemite backpacking trip with and they helped me start this amazing outdoor journey. All right. Big shout out to them. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. 
It doesn't even care if you're an intern at the John Freaky Muirpod. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.